0: You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Hi, Lane. Hey, thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. I want to pronounce your name correctly, The la- your uh, last name.
1: Kawaoka, Kawaoka.
0: Why you tell me? I wanted to guess. I wanted to get it right, but that's what I said. Kawaoka.
1: Yes, yep. I did.
0: <laughs>
1: How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, yes. You were very interesting um, to me because when I was reading that uh, you were an engineer and then you you, your side gig was portfolio rental, real estate portfolio,
1: correct? That's, that's, that's correct. So, and I graduated back in 2003. Mm-hmm. And up to that point, followed this linear path that everybody tells you to do. Go to school, study hard, work at a day job. And, you know, invest in your 401k retirement, buy a house to live in. And yeah. Do that, that for 50, 100 years and then maybe retire. Few years before you die that's what social security is. Are you
0: ready? and then every year that you get a raise right you're supposed to take that extra percentage of your raise and put that into your 401k so it can really grow did you ever hear that one
1: yeah i mean there's countless of these blue pill type of financial dogmas that they tell us right um so i you know Followed this linear path and you know saved up a couple years out of college to buy a house to live in because again that's the dogma that we were all taught. And then I started to rent it out uh, because I was working on the road all the time for work and just being home Saturday once a week didn't really make too much sense as a young twenty-year-old single guy. And then I started to realize, wow, if I just did this several more times, I'll be able to quit my day job certainly almost replaced my salary. And, um, you know, that's where I I discovered the power of rental real estate and uh, positive cash flow.
0: Is it similar to Airbnb? I mean, you know, that's what we know about now, like today.
1: Yeah. So, you know, like, you know, rental properties, you know, Airbnb is more like short-term rentals, which is, we don't really get into that. It's I see it more as a discretionary type of item for people. It's, you know, their vacations, right? It's when in tough times, people stop vacationing, right? As we yes. see in the pandemic. Um, what I like to invest in is more long-term rentals to the average person, the lower middle class, so we call it workforce housing. Okay. So monthly rents between 700 bucks to $1,200 a month. Uh, we kind of target this... We call them Class B and Class C tenants. You know, not, the, not Where, the luxury.
0: Where's the location, though? Is it all over? Is it a set location?
1: That's yeah, so typically know. not in your pro- what we call primary markets. Like, So primary markets are like Seattle, California, Hawaii, Boston, New York. Right. These secondary markets aren't the sexy places to live. Places like Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Huntsville, New York. Um, little Rock, Tahoe, yeah. Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Places where, and even in those markets where you have better rent-to-value ratios or in the more B-class, C-class areas. So what we look at first is this thing called the rent-to-value ratio. And this is a calculation anybody could do at home with a little bit of Googling and Zillow work. You know, see, so you, you look for property that is... Uh, 1% rental value ratio higher. You find the rental value ratio by taking the monthly rental price, dividing by the purchase price. Oh so, for God. example, you know, a lot of the places that we'll have people start off with is buying little rental homes that are $100,000 a piece oh. um, that will rent for about $1,000 a month. So, 1,000 divided by 100 grand is 1%. Mm-hmm. So, we're looking for something around there, maybe a little bit better. But, you know, just take Properties in California, for example, you'd be lucky to find a house in the ghetto for 400 grand out there that will rent for $2,000 a month. 2,000 divided by 400,000 is half a percent. That ain't going to work. It's less than one percent. So that's kind of the, the kind of the forefront of like where do you kind of start your search and the difference between betting on appreciation versus cash flow prudent investing. You know investing in things where you make money every single month
0: mm-hmm. that's that's right so have you been successful
1: um, currently we own over you know 800 million dollars of properties um, wow. mostly we buy apartments these days so we can kind of buy them in bulk get better pricing um, get better pricing than the average mom-and-pop investor buying little single-family homes, duplex, triplex, quadplexes. But you know what we kind of go around teaching is, you know, when your portfolio gets larger, your net worth becomes over a million dollars net worth, then you kind of move to the bigger investment syndications and private placements. But, you know, just getting started, you got to buy properties at cash flow. And this is not a get-rich-quick scheme, but it's saving up your down payment. Mm-hmm. 20% down payment to go buy a house, rinse, wash, repeat, do it again. I mean, I, I bought my first property in 2009. I bought another property a couple of years later, and it, it wasn't until 2015. Uh, what is that? Five, six years later that I had 11 properties scattered throughout the country.
0: Wow. And did you buy any fixture uppers and then fix them up? Or did you basically purchase properties that were together, like ready?
1: Yeah, you you know, like fixing up property, that's a pain in the butt. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and I I think that's what separates us from most, you know, most folks kind of target people that are broke, right? And people who are broke don't have very much money and therefore they have to put in sweat equity. Uh, mm-hmm. Our clientele, our investors, they have good-paying day jobs, right? Many of them make over sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year. They're mm-hmm. already good savers, and they line up to be more passive investors. And ah. therefore, you're starting out. Mm-hmm. You know, you probably can save twenty to thirty thousand dollars for a down payment on one of these properties, mm-hmm. and. We recommend people not screwing around with heavy value-add type of projects from the get-go, right, a lot of construction. The idea is to go buy a turnkey property, something that's ready to go. You know, maybe put up some curtains, new fresh coat of paint at most, Mm -hmm. and you get going.
0: Wow, because uh, college students, do you find renting to college students is very lucrative?
1: Um, so we, we don't go to like these niches such as college students or military towns. We stay with like the majority of America, which is blue-collar workforce housing, just average folks that work at Walmart, grocery stores, they might work at a warehouse at Amazon or um, work at a mall, you know, think some of them might have more white-collar jobs transitioning, you know, they're younger people in life transitioning, so people might be single, you know, making 60000 dollars a year or less. You know, those are our clientele: workforce, housing, and you know, like when you kind of get into those niches, you're kind of exposed, right? Just like short-term rentals is right. a niche, right? Like what we like to do is invest in what are things that are going to still be around if there's any kind of hiccup in the economy or recession, right? And this is why we stay away from the high-end A classes. Uh, because in tough times the A-class come back they get foreclosed out of their houses and they move to apartments right. or rent to properties that we own the B-class we try and stay away from the, the lower class the D-class or the war zone type of properties or the lower C-class properties because the tenants are just really difficult to work with it's hard to collect your, your rent checks but there's a nice little sweet spot in this B-class clientele
0: well I have a question um, you know I've heard of people purchasing properties and then they will apply with the government for uh, to allow a family that has Section 8 to be at their property. And if it's five grand a month, the money comes from the state directly to the owner of the home and the person sometimes they have no rent to pay or maybe ten dollars a month is from that family. Have you ever heard of that? Because that's a New York, like I've only heard it happening in New York, certain places. Have you heard of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I when all my rental properties in Birmingham, when I had them, they were pretty much Section A.
0: Oh, um, they are? Okay. You know,
1: I think if you're going to go into Class C areas, it's not a bad idea to go in with a Section A tenant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people have like a negative connotation to renting to Class C. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, there's pros and cons both ways, but, you know, my takeaway is a little bit more of a neutral standpoint, I mean, the, the, the tenant in there is getting their monthly rent check from the government. Yeah, um, It's going to come. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've seen it where like the tenant like was responsible for like $635 a month and, or the, the tenant, the government paid $635. And
0: it's impossible for
1: five dollars <laughs> yeah yeah you know like a 40 45 dollars or whatever it was i don't know how the heck that came to be but you know everybody's voucher amount is predicated on <laughs> their financial system how many kids they have etc right but i mean that 45 dollars was like late
0: well you know not, not
1: more times than not but a lot of the time <laughs> i
0: believe that that i mean i don't know how the business go but I'm telling you if I ever did I probably would I probably would go that way with it for two reasons because there are so many families out here who qualify for section 8 and they work at Target but they don't have the 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 fun you know the money to pay you know when you look at their salary if they make it $15 an hour $15 an hour uh a year 40 hours a week is 30,000 something around there so when they're bringing home their money and then the rent's $900 because, you know, when it's a private property, the sliding scale is how they make it. You know what I mean? You, you can't, it, it's not a government scale, but they can make that money and have a section eight voucher and pay $50 because they, you know, it's covered. Just to give a little insight to the audience when they're listening, you know, um, Oh, did, it, did it sound right
1: to you? <laughs> yeah, and, and you know these are the these are the positives behind doing this as a as a landlord or investor. Is that's a pretty sweet deal for that individual. I mean, and it's typically like a single mom, right? I mean, they're just economically immobile, but they're good people at the end of the day, and you know they're they're good people to work for. And you know, if you're into that type of warm and fuzzy business, that's that's great, right? Yeah. Um, what and they are typically on best behavior because they don't want to screw up your property and get kicked out on the streets and not be part of the voucher program anymore.
0: And then um, they have a house. They have the, they're raising, the, they have the opportunity of raising their children in a home instead of a project or, you know what I'm saying? Um, in an environment that's not conducive to their kids' growth and development.
1: Right, right. I mean, like the whole project's idea, I mean, they're all tearing them down and they're not really creating any more of them. But to cluster all your poor people in one area just is not a good from a city planning standpoint. And, you know, obviously the government's kind of understanding that 30, 40 years later, and it's going away. And this is how they create housing, um, where they scatter these houses throughout a neighborhood. And, you know, you can't really say, well, this is the poor area. This is the super poor area it's just kind of all the lower middle class okay. um, and it seems to work right because it kind of shares city services appropriately um, as a single family home investor I would do section eight but we do not do section eight uh, in our apartments because it's apartments is a little bit different dynamic where we have you know we try to improve the community um, where it's You know, like, if you have more than 10%, 20% Section 8 units, your apartment complex is going to be known as the place you can get your drugs from. And that's what we don't want. Okay, (laughs) and that's
0: the stigma.
1: Right. Right.
0: And and it would invest in this dude, like a person like you would say, oh, no, I don't want that. But have you ever did any research to see if any, was it different? Like, have every single Section 8 community... The people are, you know, it's drugs because guess what? I've been in some very upscale communities in New York City. I mean, buildings with a doorman, you would have to go around the back to go upstairs because it was and I could smell weed and drugs on every floor if I went there. So, you know, when it comes to drugs, they're all over the place. You know, um, I do believe that a lot of people who are on Section 8 are viewed a certain way. It's just like, you know, the trust factor but i do i do understand how you have a structure just like you said you're not in new
1: york in the bigger places you know what i mean yeah we're we're typically in the suburb areas outside of the inner city areas and you know i mean look i i don't do section 8 these days right i mean i just i think that's i i think you could make a lot of money doing that it's right. just that is not where i've centered my business around oh, I and like i you. don't i don't understand all the nuances of it right this is kind of where we go to just you know for apartments non-sectionate but for single-family homes i think it would be probably a good idea if you're going to those lower class c type of neighborhoods to do sectioning because you're kind of you kind of benefit from your neighbors around you having better tenants than yours
0: right it's not your problem
1: at the end of the day the community is not your problem
0: you're Unfortunately.
1: right. and that's why people don't like landlords I guess right and investors Yeah,
0: yeah. but it is what it is yeah, unless a landlord really doesn't care <laughs> but, yeah. Um. so now back to your apartments your apartments have terraces and stuff like are they like
1: night really nice um I mean they're not they're not new properties right but typically between built between the 1960s wow. and the 1990s is kind of the, the genre we go after um, we, we go after stabilized apartments where it's already, you know, cash flowing and it, it's already 90% full, it's fully occupied for those.
0: So the is part. it a full development though of apartments or is it, uh, I don't know if this is possible. So are you able to invest in three apartments in a building with 10 floors or do you have to buy the whole building?
1: You have to buy the whole building.
0: <laughs> okay. So you have to okay. own everything. Because you know, it's, it's now what I'm getting ready to ask you about is something that, it just came to my mind because I was curious about it, but it might not be what you do, but you may have a little knowledge about it. I found out recently that, um like if you go to stay at a casino or go somewhere, and let's say you book it through Kayak, right? I'm gonna just name any place, Kayak, They'll book you in rooms that they purchased in that development, in that big building. That's what I thought about. Like, if you go to the casino and you book your room through Kayak, that room belongs to Kayak. So they're responsible for the upkeep. Did you ever know about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of that's in the short-term rental world, right? And a lot of it is more discretionary income. You know, we like to stay in long-term rents where people have to live on the other 99% of their non-dream type of world right what they do every day and you know and we like it because it's it's old fashioned things don't change that much right we like this boring business plan
0: so you have your own super in the building like once you purchase a building it belongs to you so that means you have to hire the um, maintenance and stuff like that. How does yeah, that work?
1: And, and that's the nice thing, right? When you own little rental properties, you've, you know, you've got to hire a prop, third party property management company, pay them 10% of the rents. And you know, they, it's difficult for them because they've got to jump around all around the neighborhoods, um, often many zip codes to service the property should something happen. But well, with I- an apartment, everything's clustered in one place. When we have more than 60 units, now I can dedicate and pay somebody on salary to stay at the property at all time and be subunits units continually. When I get over 100, 150 units, now I can start to hire several handyman. Now, instead of like on my little rental property when I'm paying $600 for some stupid toilet repair from some third party uh, plumber, right. I just have the handyman knock that out before his first smoke break on salary, right? Take care of it in-house, but yep. quicker too.
0: So uh, could you share your website with my audience um, and what you offer? Like, what do you do if someone would
1: like to do what you do? Yeah. So, I mean, if you guys want to, if everybody just bought a handful of rental properties, like how I did, I mean, it just totally changes your financial picture. If you're kind of starting out, go to SimpleCast at Cashflow.com slash turnkey. Learn to buy remote rentals is what I would suggest to get started. That's how I got started. Um, And then check out the podcast for passive cash flow, passive real estate investing. Especially if you're tired of all these like flippers and wholesaling. That's a very, I think most people think of real estate when they think of that type of stuff. But when you start to get a little money, you know, you got to get into the passive real estate world.
0: Well, guys, you heard it here. You will also have all of Lane's information on Mohanilove.com. And that's where you can look back at the um, different interviews, or if you're interested to know how he did it, or um, you can reach out to him. Anything you would like to share with the audience, Lane?
1: Uh, no, I don't think that's it. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, thank do. you. All right.
1: <laughs> thanks, my Bye.